G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. And a conversation I'll invite you to join into as we get things underway. If you're in business or if you're a part of church life, if you're in a club, if you're running some sort of organization, you'll be interested in the sorts of conversation we'll have over this next hour. So it's a conversation today that doesn't just curse the darkness, but lights a candle. If you lead or you're a part of an organization, uh, as I say, as part of business, work, church, you might have some aspirations for a business career, well, you'll have an impression of the values that you might bring to your business or into your workplace. For a Christian, we hope our values will intertwine with the values of our enterprise and create a contrast to the sorts of values that we most often see around us. In my book called Public Christians in a Secular Age, I've suggested that the culture we create in our organizations from the top down eventually shapes us. Our focus today is on the culture we build in our organizations and I have a special guest to introduce us to and we've had a number of wonderful conversations now. Christina Dean leads Uniforte, specializing in business and organizational change management. Christina is a world leader in change management, having pioneered the first educational qualification in the world for change management, which was a diploma of change management. She's also the author of a book called Rhymer, Managing Successful Change, and she's taken a whole lot of very big organizations through some significant change. She is our guest through this coming hour, and you will be able to join in our conversation shortly. Christina, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Christina. Love our conversations because no matter where we're at, if we're in charge of a small group or a bigger organization or even a big corporate, uh, these sorts of principles apply very, very powerfully. And when you're going through change, that's your opportunity, isn't it, to actually address the culture in your organization because culture, setting the culture is an important fact uh, that you get that right at the beginning and all sorts of things can flourish in the longer term. But it's not too late to change along the way. Let's start with setting the culture in our organizations. This is something you love to talk about. Well, I do. I do. And it's because I'm... Um, uh, um, I'm a searcher, and so I've always looked for the I've, I've always looked for the answers to life and how to live life well, and uh, of course that's led me to becoming a Christian, and uh, and following Jesus. And so, you know, I don't, I you know, that's out there. That's that's not something that I hide from anyone anymore. It's 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 how I've written my books. It's how I've developed that course. It's how I've coached people, and it's how I've done work in huge organizations like Queensland Rail, for example, who, you know, they were a public they were a public service company and they were within a whisker of being sold. And uh, and I was working with the chief of corporate strategy there and I said, you know, um, it it it's not about replacing your people. It's about changing your culture. And you you know, what you need to do is to work on your culture because 
you know, you've been here for 140 years, so, and for 140 years you've had leaders, haven't you? Yes, well, we've had leaders, yes. And so have those leaders led? Yeah, well, yes, I suppose so. Well, then, you know, don't throw the staff out. Look at the leadership, and in order to look at the leadership, you, that's only one aspect of how you develop a culture. It's so. tempting, isn't it, mm-hmm. uh, to think, uh, why don't we just sweep the floor clean of all of those mm-hmm. employees mm-hmm. or those middle managers mm-hmm. uh, that maybe not performing, don't seem to fit in with our culture so well. If we sweep the floor clean, we just replace them with others and that'll fix the problem. That's not really the case, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's the very last option. It's the worst option is to get rid of everybody. Um, I mean, you know, the Lord had uh, the Lord showed us this really wonderful example. It says, and He said, "Let he who cast the first stone," you know, and they all went, "Oh, grumble, grumble, grumble," and walked away. Um, it's the same for us, you know. If we're not looking in the mirror, and if the uh, the executive, it doesn't matter whether or not you're leading the country or leading a corner store. If you're not looking and looking at your own values every day, and looking at how you're letting those values shape your life, um, because they will shape your life. If you're not looking at those every day, there are always two ways to go about something. There is the there is there is the one way that's that's very aggressive and uh, and will force your culture and shatter it. Um, and you know that's one way to tell whether or not an organisation is, is has a substantial culture, is whether or not they're pulling together or pulling apart. If they're pulling apart and you've got a lot of friction with the leadership within the leadership team, then you can imagine that it is multiplied by a factor of heaven only knows how many people you've got in your staff. But it'll get worse and worse and worse all the way to the front gate. So. If you're going to have a culture in your, if you're going to have a peace in your organisation, if you're going to actually achieve anything in your organisation, you must look at the culture first, which is a bit like saying, well, um, we need to look at the foundations of our business. Culture is the foundation of our business, as col- as as much as the foundations of a business are the, of, of of a house are the foundations of that house. And, you know, when we're talking culture, uh, sometimes people think this is difficult and even philosophical, but uh, I love that little simple definition, the way we do things around here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's where that culture that starts at the top and filters through to every level, every dimension of our business and organisation life. So whether we're talking about what happens in your small business, what happens in your local church, what happens in your club. These are the sorts of things that apply. And getting things right or adjusting things to make things right can change the outlook and can change the environment uh, of your entire organisation. Exactly. And when you're going through change, some sort of change, that's when everything will sort of start to shake loose. It's all very well to have an organisation going along nice and smoothly and everybody's very nice and polite to each other and everything gets done nice and quickly and and I don't know when that ever was really, to be perfectly (laughs) honest, but it's a nice theory. Um, As compared to when we start to go through changes like COVID and and all of a sudden we've got people who are having to work from from home when managers are always been saying, oh, no, 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 we need to have a watchful eye on you because we don't trust you to do your work at home. No, 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 you'll have to be here. And now, and then they had to be forced into that situation. So there had to be an element of trust that had to creep in and into that relationship with their staff. But what do they do? No, they go and get technology to make sure that they're, you know, attending as they are supposed to do. Now, that's not a bad thing because you need, culture can only flourish if you've got freedom 
within constraints. So the freedom is, I trust you to do the right thing because we've talked about it and, um, and, and we know what we're going to be doing here together. We've agreed on what we're going to be doing. Now we just need to get on and do it. The constraints are that that is now a key performance indicator and, and the constraints are working within the legislation that governs that organisation. Um, for example, if we're looking at, uh, at um, the way we do things around here, currently we've got this enormous uh, upswing or uh, a surge of, um, of uh, media around ageism and um, I'm a bit caught up in that mm. because I'm sick and tired of being told, you know, you, you know, shouldn't you this and shouldn't you that or no because you're too old. And, you know, they'll say you're overqualified. But it's actually because you're, they think they look at you and they think to themselves, oh, no, she's too old. So she, what would she know anyway? She's old. You know, what would she know? And that's very, that's very annoying for a person who's over 40. Anybody over 40 is getting that these days. And that's part of a culture. And that culture must be coming from somewhere within that organisation. So if they don't have any respect for their parents, then they don't have, or their grandparents, they don't have any respect for people who are older than they are. So that's become one of the ways in which we do, the way we do things around here. But it doesn't stop there. It's also to do with um, people who, who, who may be of a different religion or maybe of a different, um, uh, a, a different socioeconomic background or it may be about somebody who has um, um, some health issues. Now, we tend to think that having cancer is sexy, but having, you know, so we'll do everything we can about that. But somebody who's got, um, who's been terribly abused as a child and, and now has some mental issues, oh, no, that's really ugly. No, 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 no. Well, we can't have anybody like that around. So, Mental health tends to get a bad rap. So people who've got mental health issues, um, which are totally, you know, totally treatable, um, it, it's 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 the it's it's where we're coming from, and the problem with it is it is becoming the way that we've done, the way that we're doing things around here. Even though there have been laws, national laws for this since 1983, mm-hmm. since 1983. So if we can't get this right now. What makes us think that we're ever going to get it right unless we go back to the way that God shows us how to live? Now, God shows us how to live, not by telling us um, what to do, but he tells us how to do it. And it isn't just a process or a procedure. It's, it's none of that. It's how we do it. It's where are we coming from as human beings? Are we merciful and kind? Are we generous in our thoughts? Do we love one another? Isn't that, aren't they the two most important things that he says to us? Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Good to have you with us this Tuesday edition of 2020. Our special guest this hour is Christina Dean. Christina leads Uniforte. We're talking about culture today and the culture of our organisation. So it really just takes it out of the airy-fairy and puts it where the rubber hits the road and the things that we all do in a day-to-day basis, whether it's in our family or whether it's in the organisations that we are a part of. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Christina, let's take a call or two. Kevin is in Brisbane. Hi, Kevin. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Good to be with you. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Um, I was listening to your radio um, probably a year or so ago, and 
bit more, and, and this uh, Chinese businessman was being interviewed, uh, and he said that um, he only employs Christians. And I thought, that's a novel idea. Um, I have a, a trade um, business, and I was thinking, what would it be like, um, uh, you know, I'm in my own uh, as a trader at the moment, so looking to expand, looking to take on one or two guys. And I was just wondering, you know, if I was to um, only take on Christian people, what would that look like? Would that even be uh, frowned upon? Um, I was just I wondering think... what Christina's thoughts would be. Get Christina's in just a few moments. Uh, if I was uh, offering a thought or two on that too, in any organisation that gets large and you rely on skills, you're probably going to have a mix and you might have some Christian staff, but you might have people coming from all sorts of backgrounds that are, are filling the skills requirement that you might need for your business. So in most organisations, if you're talking business, you're going to have a real mix in there. And while mm. I know that there is a wonderful scripture about giving preference uh, to uh, those who are brothers and sisters in the faith, uh, that's something that, which is a w- wonderful foundation. But uh, let's get Christina's thoughts. Christina, your thoughts for Kevin? Kevin, um, it's a bit of a slippery slope. Thanks for calling in. It's a really good question, and a lot of organisations are struggling with exactly that at the moment. Um, being a Christian um, is about the values that we're being taught, that the Lord teaches us, and if we hold those values um those values will actually come out in what we do. And so there are now laws against that sort of positive discrimination of only employing um, any any particular group. Um, it doesn't matter whether or not it's all Muslims or all Christians or all of those things um, because it excludes others. And that's where the laws, are, that's what the laws are trying to prevent is this exclusion. However, mm. there are no laws about interviewing people for their productivity in the past and how did they go about those things. So, for example, if you know, for example, I, had, I, have, two, I have two really good examples that happened to me just this morning on the way here. Um, I was driving along the highway and uh, I needed to get into a particular lane. I turned my, speed, my, my indicator on and immediately the car in the lane that I was trying to get into noticeably slowed down and allowed me to enter. So that tells me that that person actually respects me because they, they obey the law because I'm, I'm, I've, I've put on my indicators in due time and they respect me as a human being to be, and, and are kind to me, kind enough to allow me to get in. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's some really good things right there. It's legal, it's kind yeah. and it's respectful. However, coming down the highway and I was about to turn off to come to Vision Radio and there's a bit of a, a, a problem getting off Logan Road and getting onto the freeway where three lanes then narrow down to one very quickly and I couldn't, I didn't get there quickly enough. I, I again, and, and on this occasion, I didn't have much time, but I still put on my blinker probably about 30 yards before, or 30 metres before I needed to get into the lane. And um, this person um, who was actually behind me in in the other lane um, because I didn't try and push in, but I had she she deliberately speeded up and she deliberately kept pushing pushing me pushing me pushing me until I was almost on the guardrail on the other side. Now that person wow. there, that's right. 
A, it was unlawful. B, she was not respectful. And C, she was not kind. So you can actually, you can actually recruit your people based on the values that are important to you. Now, you know, if your values are about obeying the law, and we know that from Daniel in, 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 in the book of Daniel, um, he didn't agree with all the laws and finished, in, in fact, a few of his friends finished up in the oven because of it. Um, but they obeyed the laws to the degree that they that they um, uh, were able to in that country, and so was me. So must we, as employers, as consultants, as whoever we are, we must obey the law, and that's our first criteria. Because this is God's government. No matter what we say, we have to obey who we we have to respond to uh, and respect whoever He puts in power. Secondly, however, there is this thing called love, and God has told us to love each other. And that's about respect, and it's about kindness, and we know that the Holy Spirit um, has all sorts of good um, things that He breathes into us. So, if you're really clu- if you're really clued up about who you are as, as a boss, and believe me, it starts with you. You're the man in the ho- in the hot seat here. You can recruit people based on what they've done in the past, and you can ask them how they did it, what they did, how they did it what some of the problems were that came along and how do they handle those problems. And from that, you'll be able to see whether or not that kind of person fits into your business. Wonderful mm. stuff. Kevin, does that's that... Very that's a, it's a really good analogy because there's a culture yeah. on the road, isn't there? And there's a culture in our businesses. And while we are going to have in our businesses a mix of employees, some that will come from uh, whether they're Christian or they're non-Christian, sharing values, not necessarily based on what someone's faith position is. So you look for people who share your values. In my book, uh, your business may be the only church that your employees ever attend. So if you are the boss in your business and you think that I'm just running a secular business and you run it along secular lines, uh, you may actually be uh, you know, doing something not quite as good as you could be doing because actually you might be expressing your values and being a Christian as a boss in the workplace, that may be influencing those who are non-Christian in your workplace. Christina. There's, there's more too, Kevin, and it's building on what, what Neil has just said. Here's the thing. You, they may not be following the Lord at this particular point of time, but there'll come a time when you make a decision and you deal with people in a particular way and somebody who's not a Christian will come, will, will notice that about you. And over time, over time, over time, they'll become, one of these days, there'll be the day when they say, how do you get to be like that? Where did you learn to do that? How did you learn to, to, to be like that with other people? And then you can give them an honest answer and say, well, I follow Jesus Christ and he's taught me how to do these things. They're not easy to do. And in fact, there are, whole, there are many, many times when I prefer to do something else, but I know it's not the right thing to do. And, you know, that's the doorway to being able to then ask somebody, would you like to know more? And if they like to know more, and believe me, from a point of view of managing change, the only time we should try to manage, the only time we should try to encourage uh, that we should that we should bring change to an organisation is when people are ready for it. And in the same way that you know your children are only ready for advice when they when they are ready for it, and you you know the difference. Or your wife, for example, you know she's only ready to hear what you've got to say when she's ready for it. That's when their ears are open, and up until then, forget about it. All you can do is be the role model. 
Kevin, thank you so much for your call. Talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another one quickly before the news. Pinky is in Regency Downs in Queensland. Hi, Pinky, welcome. Hey, Neil, how are you going? Very good. What are your thoughts? Need to be That's fairly good. quick here. Yes, very quick. Um, that last caller, um, he's an employer. I'm an employer. And, yes, you, you, everything you said is true. Uh, we we can shed the light on people. I'm, I've got um, bulk transport, so um, I'm truck drivers. And so, as you know, truck drivers are, uh, are not so much towards the Lord. And uh, it's only the example that we set forward that um, can enlighten their path. But there is one other thing, Neil and Christine. Um, this might not um, come into the same category, but you can tell me whether it does. Um, the, uh, I, I grew up in uh, North Queensland and Tully and uh, grew up with Aboriginals. And um, the, the culture uh, that's been lost, is that, is that a factor that, um, that's in, in this conversation at the moment? Okay, very quick response. Uh, sometimes people coming from different cultural backgrounds, I think, is where Pinky's at. Um, yes, it's everything to do with culture is on, you know, we're happy to talk about that. And uh, our Indigenous um, owners, um, you know, they have their own ways of how they've done things for a long, long time. Um, and they are being pressured by another culture now it's the western culture and it's uh, there are lots of different cultures in australia now it's not just it's not just um white people it's you know there are lots of cultures that are impressing them at the moment it's, it's not just one religion it's not just another religion you know they are under tremendous pressure and which is a really good conversation because we could have a really good conversation about this but i think and we've we got to go to the news we might have to save that and look there no doubt this sort of thing might come up uh, further after the news pinky stay around uh, listening we'll try and uh, talk some more about that 1-800-316-316 it is news time uh, christina just coming back to the caller just before the news Pinky who uh, running a trucking company and his question was around the culture in your organisation and he began to talk about Aboriginal culture there's a lot happening with Aboriginal culture in Australia right now Uh, some people have already taken sides I say keep an open mind about where things are heading with this but he was beginning to ask some questions about Aboriginal culture and clearly the people and the mix that are in his workplace thoughts here from you on what can happen with a clash of cultures a clash of cultures occurs when one tries to dominate another um and the other one will then push back. I mean, this is, it's like anything, you know. Um, if, if, if somebody is trying to dominate us, if someone is trying to oppress us, they are oppressing the freedom that the Lord gave us in the Garden of Eden. I mean, he didn't even, he, he gave Adam and Eve um, choice to, as to how they would live their life. Um, and he even he honours that. So who do we are? Who do we think we are when we try and push and shove people around? It's really about um, understanding that we are all precious in the eyes of the Lord, and it doesn't matter what colour you are, or what religion you are, or what sex you are, or whether or not you've got blue hair or blonde hair or black hair. It just doesn't matter because we're all God's children, and we need. You know, once we have a, a value system that allows one 
to oppress others and to push them around and to force themselves on on somebody else. We see problems with domestic violence. We see, you know, um, increasing conflict inside organisations. We see political strife. It's about power. And when that power is improperly used, it doesn't matter whether who it's by, they're out of line. So when you're a Christian and it's your business... Uh, and you're faced with all sorts of challenges that are coming. Other cultures, perhaps even within your own organisation or without, and they're trying to impress on you uh, the values that they want to have in your business. There is a certain sense here in which you need to be able to dig your heels in because I'm just reminded of the first commandment. You know, the Ten Commandments? Mm -hmm. Uh, The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason for that would be that if you have no other gods before me, you will live in harmony. If you decide to let that be watered down, you will you will have chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts here, Christina, on uh, chaos and harmony. And if you are the owner of that business and you are a Christian, you want your values to be those values. Somehow or other, you've got to you've got to be strong about that, and you've got to have a bit of backbone to actually make sure your values are the ones that are running your business. Exactly. Um, You've had the courage to set up your own business. You've invested in it. You, the thing that you've invested in more in than anything else is yourself. And as the owner of that business, you need to be able to stand your ground and hold those values. Um, so it, it's your business. And it's a bit like saying, well, you know, if you don't like the way that we do things around here, then go and start your own business by all means. Um, as the same as, as the Lord says, you know, okay, I made this planet. Um, I want you to live on it according to my rules and regulations and you know what they are and I want you to deal with each other um, in the way that I've written down for you. But if you decide that you want to do something else, go and get your own planet. (laughs) What we have brought in is not just a nice touchy-feeling type of uh, a conversation about how your small business works and everybody's getting on together. Uh, what we've brought into the conversation, I guess, takes us that little bit deeper and introduces even uh, the, the the thrust of power mm. and uh, division that Absolutely. can bring that sort of challenge yeah, yeah. which uh, dominates your whole yeah. uh, business day and yeah. it's all with internal conflict. Yeah. Uh, it's politics too because Absolutely. politics is impressing on us mm. and uh, Christian schools is the big example of, mm-hmm. uh, of trying to maintain a Christian culture in Christian schools because mm-hmm. if your ability to employ is interrupted and you can't just have Christian staff or your culture has been shattered, hasn't it? So uh, these sorts of things, power and politics, it all is a part of the way we run our organisations. Schools are just the same. as When I was talking to Kevin earlier on, the principles that I mentioned to him before are the same principles that any organisation has at their disposal. Select people according to their values and you can identify what people's values are by the questions that you ask them at an interview. Um, I mean, recently I was interviewing somebody for something and I said, so what sort of television programs do you ask? Do you, do you like to watch? Oh, she said, I love to watch, um, I love to watch Stephen King type movies. I said, oh, good. Why? And she said, oh, I love to find the different ways that he's so, he's so creative with how he kills people. And I thought, well, you actually won't be coming to this little particular <laughs> community. You know, so she revealed herself in that question. So people will reveal who they really are in the questions that you ask them at the interview. You're not looking for everybody to be a Christian because it's actually against the law to do that. What you're looking for, for your culture, is 
to find the people who meet your values, your business values, your your values. If you happen to be a Christian, you have a set of values that the Lord has given you, which is, and I've been doing this for 30 years now, so don't tell me it's impossible. And I've worked with some very, very big organizations who listen and they just go, okay, that makes perfect sense to us. And most people's values are just skewed because they, you know, they're too influenced by the social media. But you as a Christian, you know the Lord's values. All you need to do is obey them. And all you need to do is to plant your feet and say, this is how we do things around here. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. Let's take a call. Shelby is in Brisbane. Hi, Shelby. It's been a little while. Welcome along. Yes, Neil. How are you going? Yeah, um, love hearing the show, mate. I don't uh, get to hear it enough. Um, and hello, um, uh, Christine. Uh, love your uh, comments as well, buddy. Uh, absolutely spot on. Thank you, Shelby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Shelby, what are your thoughts? Yeah, mate, look, you know, uh, we are being attacked, um, um, our Christian cult- cultures, but there's many cultures that have been attacked from uh, so many years ago, such as the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Their own culture was attacked immediately, uh, the white man arrived. Now, um, I won't go any further there because we've, you know, we've had attacks on various different cultures throughout the world. Um, but the one thing I love about the Christian culture is the fact that, and you can take Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, faith, love, no, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of all is love. And, you know, so we have a lot of people attacking uh, Christianity, and yet um, the Bible is the greatest book that's ever been written. It's the book that outsells every other bestseller. Um, it's written in more languages than any other book, and the list goes on. Um, and the Bible gives us the one greatest thing that we can have. It gives us an understanding in, a, in, in what we want in our culture in how we want to live and, and what, how we want to treat people, just like um, Christine was talking about, uh, asking the questions and knowing the people that you're dealing with. Because, um, yeah, you know, uh, we've got a situation where in Victoria now the laws have been made against organisations such as the churches uh, and the schools um, and, um, you know, they can't employ the people that they want to employ, um, for one thing. And so it's a sad thing when we are having to fight that in, uh, in Australia alone, uh, let alone other countries, um, where we are being attacked by certain people who won't list these certain people, but um, because they have a certain outlook on life uh, that goes against biblical uh, conviction. Good thoughts in there, uh, Shelby. Uh, anything to add from your side, Christina? Yes, um, there is actually. You know, we are called to love one another, um, but to bow to no other gods except our Lord. And so those two things right there are really um, what I think are the linchpin of all of this. Um, how do I get through my day when there are so many people who want to oppress me and push me around and tell me what I should be doing and what I can do and what I can't do? I'm, I've, I've got the law, I've got God's laws, and I've got our country's laws. And as I was saying earlier on, Daniel continued to obey the king's laws up until the time he was told to, that they were told to bow down to another god, and he said, that's it. 
I will live with all of your laws because I know that my my what I'm really here for is to is to love one another. And if we can just get through that, then we will then most of the churches who are now in conflict with how they're going to recruit people and uh, and and all organizations uh, come up, fall under the same umbrella. It's really about the values. If you know what values you stand for, and if you live by those values and don't compromise those values, then you you've got a much better chance. The you know, it's it's as simple as that, really. It's as simple as that. But by good by goodness, I, I know how hard it is. I know how I have struggled with those things. I know the struggles that senior executives go through when they're trying to build a culture that's worth something that will actually live beyond them and has a longevity. And it, these are the sorts of things that we do talk about. I, I consult with governments um, about these sorts of things. And, you know, here we go. There's, you know, there's, there are now having roundtable discussions on morality and integrity and corruption in public life. And my question is, you know, what's going to be your model for doing that? What what model are you going to use to develop this model that uh, that government is supposed to now use or that any other organization in public life is supposed to use what are you going to model that on and who's going to who's going to be in charge of 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 the values that you have there what values will you select um, how will you select those values and will this be about justice or will it be about precedent because we know that precedents are terribly flawed and many people are deprived of justice so you know we we really just need to press in these are going to be harder and harder and harder times we really need to keep pressing into the lord and to ask him to continuously bring in, bring us in unity with him he's the one that we can trust but we must not lose hope or faith in his governments around in our country because because they are his governments and we must obey the law. You know, there is there is no question about that. That's biblical. But, you know, for us as Christians and uh, for us working as Christians in organisations and for us as, as, as employers of Christians uh, or employers, if we have Christian values, we talked about this earlier on, live those Christian values. But re- you can certainly recruit people for the best fit into your organisation by asking the right questions using those values. Shelby, thank you so much for your great input there. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, we're talking about culture in our organisations. The upshot, Christina, is that we want to see our organisation, our business, our church, we want to see them flourishing. Mm. And we know that we have those principal foundations that we can apply from the scripture that will bring about flourishing. So you've got to protect that flourishing. You've got to protect those values. So when there are other impositions coming, whether it's internal conflict or coming from outside, somehow or other, you've got to know where your values are coming from. And you've got to somehow or other, in concrete, put them into your organization so that they get reviewed and revisited and so that as you say uh, you've got people who want those values to continue on beyond their life into the next generation you've got to be able to get those into your organization how do you think we should do that well um, if I were consulting to a Christian organization I'd just say there's only one book you really need to read and we know what that one is Um, and all books on management are spin-offs from it really to be honest with you Um, and I'm, I'm, and I'm a great learner. I've been learning and learning and learning for many years, and I can tell you that, you know, um, 
the best information I've ever had hasn't been about the latest piece of technology or the latest process or procedure or anything like that. It's been about how do I do this? Not what do I do, but how do I do it? And the how is what the Lord teaches us, is, is, is by loving one another. And love is a choice. It's, it's a choice to love somebody. It's an action. It's a, when, when you love on somebody, you encourage them. You bring them out. You help them rise to the occasion. And it doesn't matter whether or not that, not that person's values um, are, are with you or against you, but they will sense your kind heart. They will sense the good, the, the courage that it's taken for, for you to step beyond what everybody else would do, not push me out the lane, but actually just back off a little and go, sure, lady, I get it. Um, you know, it's, it's about that. We, we just need to really press into that the Lord knows what he's doing. He set this whole deal up. If we just follow him, that's great. Where do all our values come from anyway? They are historical. They go back a really long way. You know, um, the Jewish nation, they, they have a book called the Talmud. If we think the Ten Commandments are hard, there's another 603 <laughs> commandments in the Talmud. And if they couldn't even keep those, and we certainly don't try to keep those, and we can't keep them without, without the Lord. It's a bit like saying, well, look, you know, when I look at this here and this roundtable discussion now, I think to myself, yeah, can an infection heal itself? Can somebody who's mentally ill diagnose their own treatment? When you and I are ill, we've got enough sense, some of us, have got enough sense to go along to doctors and say, look, I don't know what's wrong, but this, this, this. And the doctor will look, if he's any sort of a doctor, he won't look at the superficial scab on your arm. He, he'll probably get a blood test and he'll look for a deeper re- reason or a cause or something like that. And he might even get to the point where he sent you to a dermatologist and says, you're eating the wrong food. You're actually allergic to that stuff. Stop eating it. But, you know, now it's hard because now I know what I've got to do. It's, a pill's not going to fix it, but I've got to stop eating that something or other. Mm. But when we talk about culture starting at the top, every organisation, every business, every corporation is going to have some level of strategic plan that starts with a mission statement. And that word mission is important. And that's a word that we as Christians, we have a greater and deeper appreciation for mission because all of a sudden we're thinking mission of God. Uh, But there's a certain sense in which that mission statement is the foundation for where the culture is going to start. Sometimes people just put a few words together and it's just, uh, you know, it's empty. But there's a certain sense in which if you are planning for your business to have a culture that honors God and that will be a flourishing uh, culture for your business, it starts with that mission statement, doesn't it? It actually starts with your values. Your values will be will be the foundation of that mission statement. So if you're, if you're the boss or you have a, a board or a management committee, uh, the values that are presented when you are planning the future of your business is you boil those down into a statement that says this is who we are and this is what we will be and we will hold tight to that. That's where you get that very important direction that takes you on a journey, which is uh, the journey that ultimately begins to shape you and your organization. Exactly. 
There was a wonderful, I don't know if they're still around, but they really impressed me. They're a, they a boat building company, of all things, a boat building company. And they were down on the Gold Coast and they made beautiful boats. And I, and I, I looked at their mission statement and their mission statement said, with, God help, God, with God's help, we will X, Y, Z about boats and we will do this according to X, Y, Z. And they had all their KPIs in, in underneath that. That organization, and this is how the Lord works, if you're not thriving, then it's probably time to go back to your values. You know, there is there is surviving and there is thriving. If we're just surviving, then there's probably something that we need to be doing about our values. How are we living? Because how we're living is creating that survival mode. If we're thriving, like this boat company did, because they don't no longer just build in Australia, but they are all over the world now. Um, or they were the last time I checked on them. That was a great example of how you can be thriving in an environment where how many boat building companies must be out there? But, you know, um, good organisations thrive because they put God first. Well, time has run out and a nice point to end on. And, of course, there are all sorts of ways that we could become more sophisticated in a conversation like this. And you might want to even connect personally with Christina. And let me encourage you to do that. Christina leads Uniforte, specialising in business and organisational change management. She is a trainer, a coach and a mentor. And I'm uh, not, not mistaken here, Christina, you're available uh, to help uh, various organisations through major change uh, in their businesses or uh, the way that they've got their structure in place. Uh, you're happy to hear from people. Oh, delighted. Be delighted to hear from them. Okay. Not, not just for a chat, but, you know, call on me. We've done some pretty big work. We're, and, you know, it all starts at the very foundation of the organisation. It goes all the way from the bottom of the organisation all the way to the top of the organisation. All right. So Uniforte is spelled U-N-I-F-O-R-T-E dot com dot A-U. Uniforte dot com dot A-U to connect with Christina Dean. Christina's also written a book called Rhymer, R-I-M-E-R, Managing Successful Change. I also mentioned the book that I have just released a little earlier this year too called Public Christians in a Secular Age and it has a very big dimension there on our organisational culture and how to put the mission of God at the centre of what you do. And uh, my book's available at Vision Store or online bookstores uh, and also on an e-book. And uh, you can get a hold of Christina's book uh, at Christina's website, uniforte.com.au, or you can find it online. Christina, wonderful once again. I look forward to the next time we'll talk already. But thank you so much for taking some time to share your heart with listeners today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.